Have you heard about the awesome online conference about language learning where all the speakers are women? That's right. Welcome to Women in Language, the online event created to champion, celebrate, and amplify the voices of women in language learning. We are Shannon, Kirsten, and Lindsay, the organizers of Women in Language, and we want to invite you to join our online conference this September. At Women in Language, you will find yourself inspired by the stories of independent learners who made their own way in the jungle of vocab and grammar. You will hear from experienced teachers who have found innovative new ways to look at the learning process. You'll cheer with us for the impressive accounts of professionals in the language industry. And the fact that we're all women? Heck yeah. Join us at Women in Language from 17th to 20th September 2020. All our conference tickets give you access to every live session, recording, the secret Facebook group, and our legendary live chat where you can connect with language learners from around the world. Get your ticket today at womeninlanguage.com. Welcome to The Fluent Show, our podcast all about loving and living and learning languages. All the languages, one language, it's up to you. And we're here to talk about anything and everything interesting from that world of learning languages. We, that's me, Kirsten Cable, hello from fluentlanguage.co.uk and my lovely co-host with the most hostess with the mostess, Lindsay Williams from Lindsay Does Languages. Hello. Lindsay, welcome to The Fluent Show today. Thank you very much. How's it going? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Excellent. We are both kind of in a state of manic box checking and activity, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, today's a big day. So listeners, as we record this, we are planning to open or we're going to open, we're going to make it happen. Ticket sales, so the doors for the biggest project that we run in a in a year. And it's called Women in Language. So the Women in Language Conference, as you hear this, is now open. Ticket sales are open. Lindsay, on a scale of one to five, five being get started and one being panic stations. How ready are you feeling? Five. Are you? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. You're not, you're not, just, you're not stressing out? Um, nah, it's all good. It's all good. See, this is the joy that, that right there of, of working in a team with somebody. I think when, when someone's freaking out, you've got another person like having a calm moment and being able to share that. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> How's it been going in your languages? Oh, not much. Not much. If I'm honest, August has been quite the busy month. Um, back in May, our car was written off. And so we had to get a new car but obviously corona which meant that we had to wait for months and months of delays for this reason and that reason and then finally we were able to get a new one at the start of august which was very strange because we couldn't test drive it we couldn't even touch it we went to look at it and had to wear a mask and have our hands behind our back as we kind of peeked in it was all very weird but oh my gosh it works and it moves so we didn't need the test drive <laughs> 
<laughs> what color is it? Plum. 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 <laughs> it's not purple. It's not aubergine. It's not. Oh, I don't aubergine. Know. That's a yeah. Aubergine is probably a good word for it. It's that color. Yeah. Aubergine. Yeah. <laughs> an aubergine car. That's cool. But I you like can't it. call it an aubergine car. It has connotations now. So yeah, plum. We'll go with. We'll true. stick with that. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. It's a it's a good example, I think, of how life sometimes just happens and you know sweeps us along and so often I don't know if you come across this but certainly I encounter sometimes people who chastise themselves you know who, who kind of talk to talk to themselves and are then like really unimpressed and start to criticize themselves and really be very be very unforgiving when life just happens whereas the bigger perspective is that you know middle of August okay and then when we're back to school you know, Corona willing, then you, you'll still have plenty of time to pick up those languages and you won't have lost that much, will you? Yeah, right. Like, I really don't mind, you know, August. I mean, my husband's a primary school teacher, you know, so he's home as well. And I'd rather like go for my morning walk with him than be like, I'm just going for a walk now. Bye. With headphones on my own. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's nice to have that time to enjoy now. And then it's all good. I'm in no rush. With my languages yeah that's true do you have a focus language at the moment where you'd say this is the one mm. like the main one like four or five which basically means there's no focus i guess but they're but they are my focus in the sense that i'm actively well when i'm learning actively working to improve those four or five so like manx korean chinese indonesian and guarani they're the ones with the exception of Manx, they're the four that I'm having kind of lessons for roughly once a month. Probably not this month. That's probably not going to happen in August. <laughs> um, and then Manx is one that, you know, I was kind of learning new stuff, but quite passively. And then the others, I just try and sort of watch stuff, speak. I'll tell you what I have been doing. I missed one week at the beginning of August, but I've been doing these weekly speaking practices on Instagram Live where I just hop on and I just let myself practice. And that's been really good. So, um, yeah. Mm, that's good. That's good. I like that. I like the, the low pressure yeah. attitude in that. And, the you know, the knowledge as well and the, the reassurance that even doing just one session a month, one live session a month, that's still, you know, that's still a lot. That's quite challenging and keeps it all topped up, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm doing... I'm still still on my path to the HSK one. I've decided I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Chinese until the HSK one book is finished. At least I'm going through with my teacher. And one thing I started noticing is because this book presents you with Chinese characters that you then have to read out in the examples, I I found that my beloved beloved handwriting that not it falls flat, but it. I haven't been doing it because writing, like noting down Chinese characters is so involved that I don't do it because it's not like just a quick scribble. Like I do in Welsh. In Welsh, I'm forever handwriting the vocab, but I don't have to think about it that hard. Whereas in Welsh, I can do it in, in Chinese. I can do it in pinyin, but it's not as easy to ignore pinyin, right? You kind of want to do a little bit. So I have done something I have never, ever, ever before in language learning because I wanted to 
just improve my recognition for these Chinese characters. Do you know what I did? Go on. I downloaded Anki. Oh. oh, I mean, you can, I don't think you can download Anki. I think you download an Anki client. But basically, I downloaded a straight up basic of basics uh, flashcard app. So that's on my iPad. And now I do about 40 flashcards on the iPad. And it's given me a certain perspective because I think when people say they're doing 40 flashcards or 100 flashcards or whatever, you really are just like rushing through them. Yeah. It is like- not. Like more, I, I always thought it sounded a lot, but it's not a lot at all. You know, the more that I have, like in a sort of flashcard deck, I think the less attention I pay. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, unless unless it's stuff that okay, I've learned that I'm solid on that stuff. Now I'm learning new ones in the same stuff. But if there's like loads, you kind of be like, gotta get to the end. There's that element, isn't there? So sometimes, yeah, it's not just the quantity; it's the quality. Yeah. Although I've never, because before I was maybe using Memrise the most and certainly this client that I have, there's a level of self-assessment involved. So it goes, hey, here's some characters. And you you look at them and you go, mm, that could be Jin shit. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Mm-hmm. And then you you flip the card and then you say, oh, that was hard. That was easy. So if it's something like shit or war or something, I just you know, look at the character and I go, oh, I know exactly what that is. Then I can say that was easy. And that is then what determines this algorithm thing. So there's this kind of user involvement where, you know, I guess you've got a control over it because you can say that was really hard. I really want to see that again. Or I don't know. So you can, it's, it's interesting to see it all in action. Yeah. It's relying on your honesty. But I want to say, I want to say really in context is that I'm not using it to learn new vocab. I still don't like acquiring words off of flashcards i mean you know it's i can see how it would work but for me this is something that i'm doing to reinforce the hsk1 book stuff that i'm already doing because my teacher makes me do it fair enough yeah yeah but i was it's a fun experience (laughs) it's a nice new thing and i found a use for it where it fits into my routine so it's cool yay I also have another announcement, which is for the Fluent Show patrons, or maybe if you're listening and you're not a supporter on Patreon yet, you could consider hanging out. Come and hang out with me. So I'm doing a live stream hangout with the Fluent Show patrons at the $5 tier and above, and you can still join us. Put the 27th, I think we are of August, so 27th or 28th of August, in your diary, pencil it in. Hop on Patreon to check exactly what time we're on. Become a $5 patron today. The replay will be available for all patrons and you can support us with any amount. So thank you very much, Fluent Show patrons. And finally, I want to give a big shout out to our supporter, our big sponsor for the Fluent Show. And they're really friends of the show. They've been with us for a while now. The Fluent Show is still as it has been for a while now. So this is really cool supported by Yabla. And Lindsay there mentioned quite a few languages that she's learning. So Lindsay for Chinese, for example, something I've been doing is finding my soap operas, finding my stuff on Yabla, where I've got essentially a YouTube with subtitles that I can click on. So it's really, really cool. Have you you tried it for Chinese? Not for Chinese. No, no. What did you, have you watched it? Have you watched stuff on it? Yes, a while ago. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? All the clicky, clickable subtitles and stuff. It is. I love the kind of anything that you would do normally, like watch something. You know, you think, oh, I'll just watch some YouTube. 
anything that you would do like that that has then been like enhanced in some way for language learning i'm big fan of all of that stuff so whoop whoop yeah that's true that's true and i've got again my ipad is kind of my leisure leisure device if people have such a thing uh so it's it's on my ipad it's not on my phone because i don't really watch videos on my phone find it very inconvenient it's not on my main computer because that's where i work and again that doesn't feel right so when i'm relaxed and my brain is relaxed yabla is the place where i can go and i just watch a video they have lots of authentic content by native speakers the playback is customizable to your ears there's lots and lots of cool stuff that you can do the subtitles are bilingual and if you're chinese learner you get the characters as well there's flashcards there's learning games there is a free trial for fluent show listeners so head over to yabla.com that's y a b l a dot com slash fluent show to get access to the trial check it out now after we have thanked the sponsor and given all the different news of the day any any other news Lindsay? before we go into the main topic anything i've forgotten anything you've noticed recently i think that's it other than yeah come along get your woman in language ticket while you're listening along to the to the show today Yes, indeed. All right, let's go into the main topic. And today's episode topic is based on a question from the Fluent Show survey. So I run a big survey once a year, but it's actually open. If you if you want to come and tell me a little bit more about where you found the Fluent Show, what you enjoy about it, it's always open. It's You can find it at fluent.show in the little navigation at the top. It's a survey. So you should be able to find it there. So and at the end, there is kind of a question slash suggest a topic. And for a long time, I kind of sat on this question as a listener question. And I thought, well, how do I make a solo episode with this? And then I thought, no, I, I need somebody else. I need, I need Lindsay here. And I, I want to discuss this together. So the questions that came in were as follows. There's two. How does being multilingual affect your identity do you feel that through these language journeys you've taken, your identity and your worldviews have changed? That's Ooh. a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Ooh. It's so welcome to Philosophy Hour, Lindsay. I like Grab it. Grab a chair, I sit like by the it. fire. Yeah, and let's let's have a think about this. So I had a few questions that I, I broke this down into, and I want to start with how does being multilingual affect your identity? So what does it what does it mean to you to be multilingual first of all What does it mean to me to be multilingual I think I'll be totally honest the first thing that comes to mind is doubt over whether I can call myself multilingual <laughs> Do you know what I mean maybe that's what it means is it's that constant <gasps> Wait a minute can I say that Oh, that's fun. I guess. That's and, interesting. Because mm, mm. I think of, like, I think of someone like you, right, where you're a native speaker of a language, you have learnt another language, and then you've gone and lived in that place for, like, half of your life now, right? Almost. Nearly. Nearly. nearly not quite right? that old. <laughs> I think when I'm 40, it'll be half my life. Wow. So that's yeah. that's a long time still, right? Oh, I'm glad and, you said that. <laughs> and um, I think of that and then I think of, you know, people who move and work and live in places and who are born and raised multi or bilingually. And that I don't 
relate to in the same way. And so then I think I wonder, well, I'm almost multilingual in a different way. It's a different, it's a different, like, it's a different sort of angle of it. I don't know if that makes sense. So are you, it sounds to me like you're, when I say multilingual, you're thinking about something that is a little bit like living a multilingual life rather than yes and no knowing yes and many no. languages i think okay so when i hear the word bilingual to mm -hmm. me i hear bilingual and i think fluent in two languages like native fluent in two languages right so i've never felt comfortable describing myself as bilingual so multilingual along you know if i'm thinking along the same path of bilingual means fluent in two multilingual means fluent in more than two <laughs> then then it kind of freaks me out because I'm like, well, you know, I don't, I don't think I am that. I'm just someone who likes to learn languages and is good at a couple of them and all right in some more, you know? I think, so would you consider, this is interesting to me because to me, when I hear it, um, multilingualism is, feels a lot gentler more permissive than polyglottism or being a polyglot mm, mm. i guess it's a word that starts with m rather than p so it is a lot softer as a word but let's not think about that too much but anyway so like the, the polyglot world and whether i am a polyglot and all that stuff there is a certain level of implied like in enthusiasm and nerdery and real dedication you know and being somebody who works with language learners who really dedicate a significant portion of their lives to actively studying and pursuing languages I look at that and I'm like yeah you know I can see how I am a polyglot because I'm into this whole thing mm. and it's my hobby but I like you I feel like you know like that, that people have done this whole thing i think what's that guy the babble no more guy i think he's the person who came out with this whole like if you know seven languages you're a this type of polyglot and if you know 12 you're a this type of thing so this whole sense of classification i resist that so much so with polyglotism i resist the whole thing in a way mm. even though i'm very comfortable you know like And I know I'm in the right place when I go to an event in that community that's got that name on it. I know we are the, we are going to end up with the kind of people where you sat where you're in the pub and you're discussing whether nasal nasals are better than fricatives, and that's cool. You know, that's we're into that. But with multilingualism, that to me feels much less nerdy and more of a yeah, like like I guess it more of an identity, more of a who you are. And less like I've got to do, less like I've got to show my badge and evidence my level. It feels more embedded in someone's life, like multilingualism, like, for example, someone from Luxembourg or Switzerland, where there's just lots of languages kicking about doing their thing. And yeah. people naturally grow up speaking more than two languages. There it just feels, so it's almost like multilingual, multilingualism is like, embedded in your your sort of world in terms of like your local world right 
Mm. Polyglotism is something that you choose, perhaps. Yeah, that you pursue. Maybe that's the division. But how do you feel about, because I was just using you as an example there, how mm-hmm. do you feel about, let's bring it back a step, about bilingualism? Would you describe yourself as bilingual? Mm, I have and I do, but I'm very aware that many people wouldn't mm. because I haven't grown up with two languages around me. And not. And funnily enough, I've grown up with different variants of language around me that, that, that you could class as two languages, you know, that's that's in hot potato territory, but they weren't German and English. And if I was to call myself bilingual now, I'd say German and English. Yeah. So English isn't a language that I formally studied until I was 10. And I think a lot of people would then say, Kirsten, you're not bilingual because you haven't grown up with those two languages. But I consider myself bilingual, bicultural. And I know last, you know, like last year I became a British national. And in a way I felt like, okay, now that I have two nationalities, I feel like my nationalities, the, the, the multiple, is that a word? The, 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 the duplicity? Yeah. The fact that I have two nationalities, I feel better represented than ever before when I was just a German or something like that. Mm. So it's more than just language in that sense. Mm-hmm. So, because I, I see what you mean. I think we're kind of sharing some some thought process here because when I think, again, like going back to bilingual, I think someone who's been raised. So multilingual as well, I think someone who's been raised with mm-hmm. that, like from the word go, right? From being a little bebe, as they would say in Schitt's Creek. And and like, so that I think that's why I find it hard to attach myself when I've led and still lead a very English life. And, and I mean English as in the language. And mm. languages are a choice. So I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it, but you, you, you asked for philosophy. So here we yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, we're here for it. We're here for it. <laughs> Interesting. You know what that makes me wonder? Would you, this is like one of those talk rounds that in Germany you get late night television, you get this like five people in sort of leather and steel chairs kind of stroking their beards and talking, talking very seriously. So we're having one of those episodes today. And Anyway, back to the question. How do you feel then? Because I think multilingualism then, you say, needs to be like in the fabric of your life and you don't feel like maybe your life is multilingual enough. Say if you were, let's say, what what's a way of being in Britain and existing in a very multilingual way? You might live in London or live in a in a big city where there's lots more influence of languages and cultures. You might maybe be a modern foreign languages teacher where you spend a big proportion of your day in that language. You might work, yeah, work for an in international that company. Yeah, exactly. Have work for an international. I mean, would you be a multilingual then? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe there'd be more of a, a more of an inclination. But I think. I think what it comes down to, and maybe this this kind of answers the question from my end, is that I, like I said, it's it's something that learning languages is something that I enjoy, and I don't have the need for it in the same way. So it's almost it's a luxury, right? It's it's a privilege to be able to learn a language that yeah. you don't need to learn. It's a privilege to not need. 
um, right. a language so, in yeah. the way that most of the world needs English. And Exactly. Like, yeah, I guess. And I think that's why maybe I find it hard to say I'm multilingual, maybe because it feels, I don't want to say insulting, but that's the closest word that comes to mind, insulting to perhaps people who do have to learn another language for work, for life, for moving somewhere else, or who have been raised and have had that as part of their identity throughout their life, not through choice. So maybe it feels like I'm kind of coming in and like, uh, in, 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 what's the word? (gasps) You have an imposter syndrome. No, no, not imposter. In, in, Imp- oh, I can't think of the word. Not impose. I don't know. But like intruding? Intrude. That works. Yeah. It feels like I'm kind of intruding. Like, hey, so I'm just going to attach that little label to myself there. <laughs> you know? And then they'll say like, oh, but do you work in a multilingual environment? No, 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 no. But do you, like, were you raised with, you know, two or three languages? No, 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 no. But I like doing it though. Mm. You know? Maybe it doesn't feel like my reason and my choice is as significant. And that doesn't mean that I can't love learning languages and I can't continue to do so. But, you know, is it, I don't know. So you think of multilingualism, most like I would say, you think of multilingualism as a good thing, but it sounds almost like it's something that you've got to, like it sounds like you're almost saying like that's something that you've got to earn that's something you've got to or it's something that you just have to be and you wouldn't feel comfortable whereas i think of like if i think of multilingualism and this is interesting i think this is maybe gives away my not politics but my my worldview and where it comes into worldview i think that's such an interesting question uh, is is if i think of multilingualism if somebody is like would come and say oh yeah i'm interested in this i'm interested in you know, learning about how languages affected life, learning how, learning other languages and learning more. There's always, there's a big cultural component for me in multilingualism, especially. I feel like the world of multilingualism has such open arms and it's not zero sum that Mm. it, like, it wants to embrace the whole world. So it's never going to be like, well, you can't be one of us. It's much more of a I don't know. It's like a recruiting See, religion. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's how I feel about polyglot in the sense that if huh. if we're kind of thinking multilingual, well, if I'm thinking multilingual is more ingrained, mm-hmm. it's part of who you are, you perhaps have less of a say in the matter versus you're choosing to do this thing. You're choosing to spend hours of your life <laughs> learning other languages. Then maybe that falls into the more kind of polyglot camp where for me, I feel like it's easier to sort of say, yeah, this is, this is where, where I am. Because I think there's also a very, there's something that, that kind of feels uncomfortable about, um, multilingual in the sense that so many people around the world do, like when I say people are raised with two or three languages, the first thing that pops in your head is probably people that have Parents that are wealthy enough to afford tuition, parents that are wealthy enough to um, live in various places and have that exposure. But what the, the first thing that doesn't come to mind is 
actually people who live in countries like you know yeah, if you multilingual think societies multilingual societies where especially if it's like a colonial language and you are essentially forced to learn that alongside your family your heritage language your native your actual mother tongue right and so you know i think because it feels to me that there's so many categories so many like groups of people that are ignored under the definition of multilingual I don't want to then jump on that until everyone gets a fair kind of chance to Aww. be, uh, you know. That's nice of you. <laughs> I think <laughs> they'd be okay it, with that. I'm, I'm not uh, saying it to be nice. I'm just saying it as like, that's how it feels, mm. right? I wonder if there is a genuine difference in how we perceive maybe a multilingual society or a multilingual kind of worldview if there is a kind of difference between when you've grown up in Britain mm. and it is it mm. is very monolingual and the place where I grew up which you know it's not like we all speak three languages but we're super aware and um the borders are pretty much down right so yeah you know I can be in France really quickly and Luxembourgish you can if you tune the radio a bit you'll get a different language and all that kind of stuff it was much more it was much more there so I, it doesn't feel to me like like for me, the, the first thing that comes to mind is definitely a multilingual society. Um, I wouldn't you know, say I, I wouldn't. I, I'd agree with you on that, but I wouldn't say that Britain, as a blanket term, is monolingual. Um, no, you know, I think it very much depends on where you grow up and what those circumstances are, and all of that. You know, I grew up in mm. a in quite a small town, which was predominantly monolingual for for a time when I was younger you know things have changed now with the expansion of the European Union which I think is a good thing that there is more linguistic diversity there was always racial diversity to a certain extent in my town but it was predominantly white but the racial diversity when I was growing up there was people mostly from kind of ex-commonwealth countries right so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they spoke English and then now it's that little bit different, but I don't I don't live there now. Now I live in a bigger place where there is more linguistic diversity. And I do see and hear different languages being spoken. And my ears do their little radar thing of like you know? So yeah, that's the only thing I would add is that Britain is not as a whole monolingual ips, but it can be in certain areas. It reminds me of uh, several conversations that I've had with uh, linguists like Mathilde, who was recently on the show where we talked about accents. Um, That was one of the conversations, but this is a common kind of thought, um, which is about prestige. And again, I think it does something to a society where if you've got something like England, let's mm-hmm. say, where English is so predominant. And like you say, what a lot of the multilingualism that we have here is from economic migration i guess mm, which mm. which gives english more of a prestige whereas um i'm thinking back again to like where i've grown up or say you're growing up in like um lithuania and of course there's going to be a few latvians and of course a few people are going to speak russian and th- that kind of thing but there isn't the same probably well, i don't know why i picked lithuania because it's small and it has neighbor countries but uh, let's go back to germany where i know what i'm talking about so you grow up in Germany and, you know, you just have a neighbor country and a lot of our neighbor countries just happen to have a different language. But 
generally speaking, like no one economic migrates from France to Germany in the same way or from Luxembourg to Germany. You might you, right. you have this thing where people cross the border for the day job and then they come back and live in a place where the living costs are lower, but you don't have the same as established migration, say, from India to Germany. And I think in Germany as well, multilingualist multilingual society is a different is different if you think about French and Dutch and languages like that, or whether you think of immigration and immigrant languages like Turkish. So, huh, I think this is interesting. This is making me reflect on on home as well. Mm. I mean, okay, so, I'm trying oh, to come sorry. back. I'm, no, it's all right. I'm, I'm as you're talking. I'm thinking back, and I'm looking at the question on the on the notes, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I I just don't know if I have an answer. Like, no. I mean, it probably affects my identity in the sense, it, it maybe maybe in ways that I don't realize because it's, you know, I've had other languages, languages other than English sort of in my life for most of my life. And so I don't recognize the ways that it has changed me versus who I could have been or would have been without that. Whoa. That is deep, Lindsay. Know. That is deep. Like I said, so, you asked for philosophy. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you the, I guess, maybe simpler question, although I don't think it is actually simpler. Let me ask you the question then. When did you first think of yourself as a more than one language person? When I was a three language person, not two, because French was the first language other than English that I learned, but so did everyone right? At that time in school, everyone was learning French because we had to. So then when I picked my GCSEs and I picked Spanish and my school said, oh, you have to keep French to prove you can do languages. Then it was like, oh, well, now I'm a three language person. So even though not many of us could speak French when we were all kind of quote unquote two language people, not many of us could speak French and use French in a sort of reasonable level, myself included. I never really thought of myself as different or as, you know, languages being a thing. That's how I feel comfortable. Languages being a thing for me, that's how I feel comfortable describing it. Until Spanish, until there was a third, because then it was different. And then there was a reason to look around and go, oh, not everyone's doing this. Okay, so... I guess this is part of my identity now. Maybe that comes close to to answering the mm. question. And that happened when you were a teenager as well, when, you know, like, yeah. we do look for the things that make us us. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting that you're saying, like, it couldn't just be, like, still, again, you, I think the, there's a real view that I didn't expect that that you're expressing to to me that where I keep hearing the way that you talk about multilingualism is as something that is very exceptional. Yeah. And ah. I've and I've never felt I've never felt like I'm exceptional at languages. You know? Like no. I got when when we finished, you know, the last year of, of GCSEs and we had these little award ceremony for like the whole year of like the best math student, the best engineering student sponsored by the engineering department, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> and we had like 
um, modern language achievement and I won the award. And it was like, oh, that's cool. Of course I won the award. There was no one else doing the thing. It was like five of us in the class. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so it was, I, I, I never felt like I was overly exceptional at languages because it was like a small pond, I guess, if you take it to that kind of analogy. Then when I went to sixth form and it was a specialist language college and there was like people there, you know, there was like a guy in the year above who was doing A-levels in French, Spanish, and German. People had like Japanese lessons. There was a Japanese teacher that would come in. We had like a whole day where we'd learn like sign language or Russian or take your pick. Look at all these languages. Then I was very much not like exceptional, quote unquote, if I ever Mm. was before, which I wasn't because there was like a really small pool of people, right? So I never, I I kind of felt like, oh, I do Spanish now. So I guess I'm more than a one language person, even though there was three, kind of skipped the two. But then moving on to that school where a lot more people had learned languages to a better level. Not many people still did them for A level, mind you. There were small classes and especially for Spanish in the second year, there were just two of us. But it i never felt like i was you know in a kind of i'm exceptional at this right no but there's a certain okay so there's a certain kind of level of status and for you being a being a language kind of person <laughs> i guess is is part of your identity in the sense of like how it sets you apart from other people and that's when you first noticed when you realized i am doing more of this than other people yeah but equally, oh. equally being very aware that it's something that when you say, oh, I speak this language, you know, in, in, in a country like the UK, it's like, wow, you speak, what, what? Yeah. And it's like, I just can't be bothered with that conversation. So I tend to not think of myself as linguistically exceptional. I tend to just like, you know, keep that little thing that little nugget of knowledge until it needs to be shared see i never i don't think i ever thought of myself necessarily as linguistically exceptional i was really into english but that's mostly because i i just became incredibly anglophile and it was much more about i don't want to be here i want to be in Britpop land or whatever i just got obsessed with the place or like enamored with the place rather than the language as such Mm. and in French, like French is my second foreign language that I took. And I always had kids, in, again, because I'm from, from really near France, I always had kids in my class who, you know, had a French-speaking parent. So they were just good. They were just really good. And it, uh, on top of that, I, I really sucked. Like not, but, you know, I got like B's, B's and C's equally. And um, I recently shared my, like sort of found in a box my, Abitur, German A-level equivalent, roughly, um, exam result. <laughs> and I put it on Instagram and I was like, hey, what do you think I got? And everybody's like, you got an A, Kirsten. And I'm like, uh-huh, here is my D. <laughs> because, you know, I didn't I didn't excel in French. I never have. I kind of bumble through and now I manage, but I've never, ever thought of myself as someone who excels. But when I, when I thought about that question, when did I start to think of myself as a more than one language person? I think it's it's much it's it isn't really about the exceptional side of things. I never thought about that so much, I think. 
because there was always other kids doing language things and I think some of it might it might be because you know they're not as into it because their mom's French so it's an easy school subject or whatever Mm. but it's when say I took Italian and I was sat there and I was going like bisogno bisogno that's a good word bisogno and now I can pronounce all the things on pizza and now I know what oh it's fungi not fungi and there's a h in there and it does this Mm. or when I took you know, like even when I took English and learned like that, that there's a silent K on like knocking and all that stuff. And I'm like, uh-huh. And that does this. That's cool. And I think that's where I, when I, if I look back, the thing that makes me feel like not necessarily a multilingual person, but certainly a language kind of person is not so much about like what, what what's everybody else into, but it's like the fact that I'm like, I have this thing where I will stare at a word and I'll say it to myself. And I'm like, that's cool. That is a good word, isn't it? And I noticed that the the way that other people react to it, that they're not thinking the same thing at the same time. So that's probably when I started noticing, okay, I'm into foreign languages. You know, I've I've just been thinking of something. It it feels quite similar, Mm -hmm. right? You know that the whole kind of like, whoa, you speak how many languages? And oh, that's amazing. You must be so smart and all of this. Oh, yeah. Which, which, like I say, and that's kind of why I don't really talk about it. I just keep it to myself. But although, although if you're listening to this podcast, you probably, that's probably all you hear me talk about, <laughs> funnily enough. But I was thinking it's a bit like when with like, I'm, I'm mostly eat vegan food, right? But I don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm not, I don't want to be sort of preachy with it, or I don't want to make people feel like I think they've made a poor life decision for not being, you know, that's, that's not what I'm about. I just do what I think is right. So with languages, it's one of those things that because sort of societally, we think, oh, it's a good thing. And oh, isn't it an honorable, amazing thing that you can learn a language? And oh, shouldn't we all do that? Oh yeah, but I'm too lazy, Right. I never want to go around being like, oh, yeah, I've done that thing that you want to do. Because I don't want to come across as like arrogant or showy offy or, you know, mm. annoying. It makes me think of the discussion that we've previously had about digital nomad. And yeah, obviously polyglot yeah. is a discussion like that as well. So yes. I think you you in particular have previously expressed as well, like that you really resist the label. and. Mm. And it's because of the because the label can have this kind of significance, and it can tr- it can express exclusivity, and mm. there's just no interest in that exclusivity. I love the way you just put that. Not I'm a vegan, which is exactly that. Like I'm a member of this group. I belong in this group. But the way you expressed it just then was like I mostly eat vegan food. Yeah, That's meaning a whole different way of talking about it. Yeah, meaning like. Because if, if I say I'm a vegan, and then when I go, like, when I go to, when I went to Cuba, for example, in a hurricane, and the lady in the um, Casa Particular serves up an omelette with chunks of ham in it, and we're in a hurricane, I'm not going to say, no, sorry, I don't eat meat or eggs. Do you know what I mean? I saw it happen. I saw it happen in Vietnam, and you're literally hiking in the north of Vietnam, in these mountains, you're miles from shops. And we, we get to this restaurant and someone's food arrived and they said, oh, sorry, no, I can't. It's like, what are you doing? Like, have you seen, 
you've just been to the toilet you've seen that like this is that's their bedroom right there this is where they live how you know so yeah sorry different conversation different <laughs> frustration <laughs> but but that's why i want to say because i don't want to say i am a vegan for example mm-hmm. and then you go to cuba and it's a hurricane and you have to eat meat so you know you're just waiting for someone then to turn around and say oh but you ate meat that time in cuba it's like i'll just say <laughs> what i want to say that gives a line. So yeah, like so you say, I don't like labels. Why it's Lindsay does languages and not like Lindsay the polyglot, <laughs> right? Multilingual, multilingual Lindsay, multi multilingual. Yeah. I don't think of it as a multilingual. For some reason, to me, has has more of a. And I know we're we're off topic here. Oh, not not well. We're, we're on topic of multilingualism, but I don't think that was yeah, quite what the question was about. Yeah. But to me, it didn't it doesn't feel so labelly, and it felt more like this state of mind like do you do you have this state of mind where it's like where you're into all the languages and languages are kind of and I'm, maybe it is because I'm German and I just have and and my life is in English maybe there is that kind of doubleness inside of me I think I would just say I'm a language person <laughs> yeah, I think well, that's I'm, as I'm close as I get person, to leave. I'm also a German person who is also a British person in a way yeah. Huh. Huh. Let's move on to the next bit, uh, aspect of this question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this is a little bit more. So we're moving away from are we multilingual or not? And listeners, please, I, might, I would love to hear what you think about all of this. So tweet me at The Fluent Show or find me on Instagram, uh, hashtag The Fluent Show. Or I don't know, send an email, hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk. But I love I love it when we have these discussions on social media because then the the, the public and other people kind of participate. Whereas if you send me an email telling me your story, I love reading, I love hearing your story, but I don't read them out normally on the podcasts. I don't have that way of organizing myself. So please communicate in a way that you feel comfortable. And patrons, just uh, I'll put a thread up. Okay, so question two Do you feel that your identity has changed through the languages you've studied? So I, I wondered here about. Like things that kind of came into my mind is like, has a language, has each language left an impression to you on you in a different way? How has travel affected it? Um, do you do you change? So Lindsay, okay, do you feel that you change as a person? Your identity as a person changes through the languages as a as a as an entirety that you've studied. Yes, mm-hmm. I think so, because you don't just learn words and grammar it's everything that goes alongside that right so it's learning about a new dish it's learning about a new artist a new film director a new place that you can go and visit and explore and a new a new word that you say before you eat a meal and do you know what i'm saying all of these little things then shape the way that you live your life and that you perceive the world around you and so you know when i first learned for example we'll take that last example right so like in japanese before you eat you'd say itadakimasu and then after you eat you say something else that escapes me off the top of my head but basically you then are like okay so now when i'm eating like you know in an sort of english environment and i'm and i'm thinking about food about about to start a meal you almost you don't just go you sort of have that moment of thinking like ah oh, if i was in japan right now i'd be saying this 
and there's that moment of pause or it's it's like a hmm. it's the awareness That's right what it's like <laughs> <laughs> it's the the awareness right the, the kind of awareness that there are yeah. other languages in the world the awareness that not just that there are other languages in the world i think that's not enough it is the awareness that other ways of other doing people things. do things differently yeah. yeah 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 and you know like of course you can learn that stuff like from watching a youtube video about culture in japan or reading a book about cultural norms in japan or whatever you don't have to learn that stuff through learning a language but through learning a language it gives you access to, for me, it's like my access point to a place of like, if I want to learn about the history of Nigeria, which for some reason has sparked my interest lately as a place, mm -hmm. I'm cool. curious, I'm curious, right? But if I were to learn about the history of Nigeria, rather than just going to Wikipedia, like history of Nigeria, I'd be like, okay, how do these languages work? How do Yoruba and Igbo and Hausa and English, how does it all fit together, right? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of learn all of that stuff through language. And so it helps me to understand the, 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 the world, I guess, in that sense. And so in terms of my own identity, that then, again, like it, it just shapes the way that I live my life and the way that I approach my life of, well, you know what, if I, okay. Again with a with a again with a sidetrack, but it's kind of related. So I hope you'll forgive me. I remember I have this memory in my head of when I was younger. I used to read Ms. Magazine, right? M I Z Z. Mm. Oh, I loved it. Did you? Well, I got I got people to bring it back for me because it's not, there was no way of there's no way what? of getting it where I lived, right? I so. had no. Okay, that that's the most exciting thing in the world. It's to me, right? <laughs> not just Ms. Just seventeen. Oh, see, I was too young. And then by the time I was 17, just 17 had kind of faded. And ah, I was no, I L, like L girl. Amazing gold dust, that and the new musical express. But that is a sidetrack oh, to your sidetrack. So please stay on side your sidetrack. That is a sidetrack to the Back to the main sidetrack. So I remember reading an article in Ms. Magazine about um, like, it was like, you are beautiful. And then it sort of had like these different places around the world. It had like a map as like the sort of fold out. And then it had, you know, in this part of the world, women are attractive when they have big hips. In this part of the world, women with flat chests are considered the most attractive, that kind of thing, right? And I remember thinking like, ah, oh, so everyone fits in somewhere, right? And I think that end thought of it kind of stuck with me. And so then through languages, learning languages, it's like reinforced of like, there's a place where this is acceptable. There's a place where that is not acceptable. And there's a place where this is the way it's done. And there's a place where that is not the way it's done, you know? And so mm -hmm. it helps me to just, it's like a tolerance thing, right? Like yes. you, you just yes. understand more about why people do the things they do. And I, I think if we all had so a bit strongly. of that, if we all had a little bit more of that, yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone, including our leaders, <laughs> we might have as a better world. And so I believe in that sense that language learning can change the world. And that's why it feels for my own identity, such an integral part, because I think it has that power. I am 
so extremely on the same page as you. This this is I have thought about this as well, and I I so strongly believe. And uh, listeners, you'll have to forgive me with with all of the women in language uh, prep and all that stuff. I didn't have the opportunity to really read a little bit into the research, so I'll I'll link up some starting points for this. But maybe one day in the future we'll have a closer look at multilingualism identity and how it affects. I wonder if it if there is anything that it can really we can see about how it affects society as a whole, but I think especially the the openness to language learning, to to the openness that languages gives us to recognizing the way that different people do things differently is exactly like you say, Lindsay. I really believe in that as well. That I think that's why we're here, like you know, sitting here doing a podcast and all that stuff. This is why. Um, to me, at least my work has meaning is that I believe language learning can change the world and it really can have a positive impact on every individual person. Oh, that's a nice philosophical ending. I had all these other <sighs> questions, but I think, we've, I think we've reached a good point and we've, we've kind of gone through a few discussion things. I did not expect that our different upbringing background perspectives would have such a strong uh, impact into into perspectives on this did you no and I I always That's like really cool. yeah it's always good to talk about these sorts of things with you know with someone that you kind of know and trust but has had a different experience because everyone has but when there's something else like like with you and me being raised in different countries just as mm. one base point of like how does that change where we're coming from on this I mean how does being multilingual affect my identity? I don't think I would have such a taste for reggaeton. <laughs> Were I a monolingual English lady? <laughs> Very true. Very true. Would you say that Spanish, your first foreign language, is the language that has had the biggest impact on your life and, and who you are? I think so, mostly just because that's where we've kind of traveled most that's like the start of the chain of the sort of rolling snowball of language discovery for me and you know as even if i learn a new language start learning a new language tomorrow and pick it up to the same level and the same you know love and intensity it spanish will have always had like a sort of, where are we now? 2020, well, like a 17 year head start. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. I feel like, like English for me is, of course, like English didn't just change my identity, right? In identity as like what I believe in internally. English has completely and utterly changed my life. If I hadn't learned English, I wouldn't, like none, nothing in my life would be the way that it is now mm. at all. Oh my God, that is weird to think about. French has never done that for me. Deep. <laughs> yeah, but it, none of my other languages has changed my life in the same way. And I wonder if that is because with none of them, I have opened myself up to following them as much. Perhaps. But you, you can't, like you can't follow seven. Of course you can actually. But you you know, you're. I think there is a, yeah, there is a level of of, there's a limit on how many languages you can really like, let change your life and that's probably because of there's a limit to the time that we have on earth right that's that's the only thing it's yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. If we, yeah, okay, okay. I think the best point that I've ever heard has just been made for immortality. <laughs> Come on, Elon. We're waiting. That's it. Get, get on with it, mate. Get on with it. <laughs> wonderful. Okay, so language learning can change the world. I think that's a wonderful point to to end on. Listeners, while we're here, why not just bring it back into bring it back into the here and now <laughs> and into more practical matters? If you want to hear how language learning has changed the world for over 30 people, I've got an idea for you. Come and join us at Women in Language. <laughs> <laughs> Still good with the bridges. Learn in language. Just as a reminder, it's running 17th to 20th of September. Tickets are now live at womeninlanguage.com. It's very affordable. You can attend in your pajamas, and the yeah, I don't know. The chat room is amazing when we're there. The other people who will be there, they're going to be multilingual masterminds, just like you are, just like Lindsay. You know she doesn't like it when I say that. <sighs> You can call Lindsay. me whatever you want. It's just <laughs> I, I I don't have to accept or you know I just nod along. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. You could be a global no what is it a digital nomad multilingual mastermind vegan. Okay, Kirsten, you're really pushing the limits now. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And I know I know what you mean. Okay. Well, if you want to read more about what our resident multilingual mastermind vegan is up to, <laughs> you can find her on Twitter at LD Languages or on Instagram. And Lindsay, what's the other account people should follow on Instagram? Women in language. Events. Events. Oh, sorry. I thought you said Twitter. It, yeah. On, so on yeah. Twitter, Women in Language, at Women in Language, you can find us there. You can find Lindsay at LD Languages. You can find me at Fluent Language. I'll put it all in the show notes because it's lots and lots of Twitter handles. And you can find Lindsay on Instagram, Lindsay Does Languages, and me, K-E-R-S-T-I-N underscore Fluent, and Women in Language Events. And we're on Facebook too, and everywhere except TikTok. That's us for now. It's been wonderful having this discussion. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for being open to, to having this conversation. I really enjoyed it. That's okay. Thank you. And listeners, if you want to participate in the conversation, like I said, I'll pop a thread on Patreon. I'll make it a, a public thread as well, just uh, with the questions that we had on the notes for today's podcast. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash show, or just type show Patreon into any of your good search engines and you'll find us there. That's it from us. And you will hear from me again next week and from the Fluent Show. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye. And goodbye from Lindsay Williams. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting the show by leaving a review in your podcast app or even becoming a member of our Patreon community where our supporter perks include a secret feed full of added show notes and a VIP option where you can get priority answers to your listener questions on the podcast. Don't forget that you can send us your language questions and feedback to hello at fluentlanguage.co.uk or find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show or Instagram hashtag The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you and read every message and review. See you next week.